Hey, Mark. Hey, Katie. Hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Unforget Yourself Show, where we use the power of woo and the proof of science to help you identify your blind spots, get over your own bullshit, <gasps> so that you can do the fucking thing you actually want to do. Absolutely. I'm Mark. And I'm Katie. And we're the founders of Unforget Yourself and the creators of the Unforget Yourself system. Look, being a business owner is tough. Yeah. With vulnerability and with humor, mm-hmm. we'll be sharing with you the real stories behind the success of those brave and crazy enough to start their own business and to show you that you're not alone. You're not. Well, from the accidental entrepreneur to the laser-focused CEO, we have honest conversations about how they got to where they are today. We talk about the challenges that they faced and what they're currently dealing with in real time on their roller coaster journey. Along the way, we want to show you that it's, it's you. You are the most important asset in your business. Yeah, you are. So let's cut the bullshit and start the show. Enjoy. Okay, hello everyone and welcome to the show. Today we have Michael Satterfield. Michael is the founder and partner of Satterfield Group, which is a creative marketing agency that has worked with clients from small startups to global 500 brands. They specialize in telling stories that bring value to a brand for years to come. And I got to hear more about this and I can't wait for all of you guys to hear because super interesting. Michael, thank you for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, you're welcome. So, Michael, could you, for our audience, please tell us a bit about yourself and about your agency? Yeah, so uh, Satterfield Group is a creative marketing firm. Um, It kind of just grew out of my natural um, just joy of doing storytelling. And and I I actually started doing journalist uh, uh, endeavors when I was younger, writing, creative writing, photography, video, things like that. And storytelling has just kind of always been a core of what I, I enjoy doing and eventually kind of got to the point that I realized that there is a, a big need to tell other people's stories and brand stories in a way that uh, I think is a little more meaningful than a way a lot of other agencies do it. Yeah, fascinating. Can you tell me more about storytelling uh, just from your perspective? Because I think it's really good to have this understanding from the framework of what you do. Yeah, I mean, what we what we always try to do is work with brands that we have um, some type of personal connection with. We're very picky with who we bring on board, mainly because you know, I just I love to tell stories about things I'm passionate about. And yeah. if I can really get passionate about a brand or a uh, some type of experience or some other type of element of a story, I can really do a better job at it and bring all of myself to it. So I've always tried to work with brands that I have some type of connection to or affinity to. And if it's not me, someone on our team is connected to that brand in a way that is meaningful because I think that's a, a big place that a lot of brands um, get it wrong when they work with agencies. They hire agency because XYZ agency is a big agency. It's in the right city. It's worked with big brands. So they assume that that agency is going to do the same thing for you know Coca-Cola that they can do for the smaller smaller brand or this heritage brand and and for me um, you can always tell when they've just brought in a creative team that doesn't understand a brand and put out an ad and mm-hmm. it generally ends up mean they have to spend more money on ad spend to make the content work um, if it's more organic if it's created by people who understand and love the brand it's going to reach the audience that understands and loves that brand too. So that that's what we try to do when we work with, with brands and storytelling is just, again, tell their story in a really authentic way. So I love that. 
in a number of ways, but it flies in the face of like the bro marketing that we're witnessing happening a lot right now, where it does feel very much like, let's just keep chucking dollars at it. It'll eventually, the more, more, more we do, you'll get results rather than a thoughtful approach. Yeah. And it's, it costs a lot of money for uh, brands to go do this. And especially if you're a smaller or medium sized company, you, mm-hmm. you can go out and hire a huge agency. And, and the funny thing is the way a lot of our bigger clients have come to us is that we were originally the second or third agency in line that was hired to actually do the work. So, yeah. you know, brand goes to big, big agency. They have no one who understands whatever the product or service is. They hire someone who is another big agency that has something in that field. And then they end up hiring us because we can actually execute it because we do stuff. We, we live in the world of either automotive or heritage brands or fashion. We've, we've grown up working in these things. So mm-hmm. for us, it becomes natural. I mean, we'll have brainstorming sessions and come out with five or six ideas that fit a brand. And they're like, oh, this is great. Go ahead and do it. And it's like, well, yeah, but now I've got to send everything through these two other agencies to get approval. So a, yeah. a lot of brands are spending a lot of money um, just hiring the wrong agency from the get-go. Where do, why do you think that is? Is it because they just think big name okay? Or are they just not aware that they should be seeking out more of what you're doing? I, I think it's a there's a lot of things going on in marketing now. Um, a lot of people have kind of gone all in on just uh, spam type ads where you're just going to run a ton of ads on on Google, Facebook, you know, and, and those platforms are great, but you're going to spend a lot more money with bad content that doesn't really fit your brand to promote mm-hmm. it than great content that connects with your audience. And a lot of things too, that brands are doing and agencies are doing is they're just picking a platform and throwing money on it, but they don't really look at the demographics for who they're trying to reach. Like, you know, the YouTube demographics and a TikTok demographic may be completely different, but they'll run the same content on both of them. And not tailoring that content to the audience and really, again, making it you know, work for that brand, they end up having to put a lot of ad spend behind it just to get the views that they need so they can push those impressions upstairs so they can say, look, this was a great success. We got all these impressions. But it just doesn't, doesn't always work out the way they think it's going to. Um, we, we push a lot of our clients into doing long-form content with authoritative sources, whether it's mm-hmm. you know blogs or magazines or places that are very specialized because those type of uh, stories live on the internet forever. I mean, we've got stories we've written for people back in, you know, 2013, 2014, that still trend mm-hmm. um, and still drive business and va- you know, value to that client because it's a good story that really fits their branding. So we, we try to do that more than just throw a bunch of money at it and hope it sticks. Sounds a lot different than a TikTok video that, you know, People get yeah. excited about for a minute and then it disappears into the ether, never to be seen again. Yeah. We get a lot of clients who ask us, you know, how can we just go viral? It's like, well, but why do you want to go viral? <laughs> you know, oh, a lot of times you, right. a lot of times you go viral for the wrong reasons. So um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's more about for me creating long-term strategies and stories that you can constantly go back to and reshare, especially in social, like you can get a lot of value out of a story that is, resharable on your social platforms for years mm-hmm. over that one TikTok hit that got 900,000 views one time and then was lost forever. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with, you know, these platforms that are up for 24 hours, like Instagram's great. We do a lot with Instagram. It's one of our bigger platforms we work with. We love working with them, but that photo is going to be in their feed for 24 to 48 hours. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, think of yourself as a consumer. And a lot of, I think it's amazing. A lot of marketing people and brands don't do this, but think of yourself as a consumer. When you're looking for something, you probably don't go to Instagram. Um, no. You probably, uh, you probably go to Google, you go to, uh, you know, search engines and look for stuff. Um, so you're not going to go on, on Instagram and type in, oh, you know, sweaters or, you know, hats or anything like that. You, you might, but you're not going to find stuff that's two or three years old. So yeah. uh, having stuff on really authoritative websites and, you know, magazines and blogs and things like that, I think is a really good way to go. And it, it generates a lot of value in the long term. Yeah. So with, with all that to consider, what do you think is what have you come across as like a, a false belief that you would love to dispel for anybody you work with that typically they come in with? Uh, I don't know. A lot of people are kind of hung up on chasing numbers and the numbers always change, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's uh, followers or impressions or view counts. And we've been doing this for a, a long time, and we've seen it with a lot of a lot of brands we've worked with and agencies we've worked with as subcontractors. Mm-hmm. That is that they they're going to push up whatever number they need to make sure that they get the client you know off their back or excited or happy or show some value, whether or not it worked or not. And mm-hmm. that could be like you know they could be tracking views, but if they're not getting enough views, well then they'll shift to impressions, and then. There's just there's always a way. It's like statistics. You can always kind of fudge things a little bit to to tell the story you want to tell. Um, but I think the problem is that when you're chasing those numbers instead of trying to chase good branded content that's going to tell your story in an effective way that again will have long term value. I think you're 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 chasing stuff that doesn't really generate a lot of value for your brand in the immediate. That one viral video. I mean, how many, how many TikTok stars have you seen that have had one huge hit and then the rest of their videos have five, 600 views, a thousand views and are never, they're never really heard from again. Same thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. There's some that have these big blowups and there are some people who have longevity there and really good engagement. But even if you look at your top engagement tier on like Instagram, you're looking at 2%, 3% mm-hmm. engagement. So is it worth the output of, you know, all your money in that basket, or should you maybe perhaps look at stuff that you can have on your own platforms or on platforms that are not connected to these kind of uh, timelines like that, where it's just, you know, 24 hours and it's gone. Yeah. If the feeling I'm getting around this is this, this need to chase numbers just creates this perpetual cycle of chasing numbers, which that is exhausting and stressful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're if your end goal is, you know, I want X amount of views or followers on every single video, mm-hmm. anyone that doesn't hit that is a disappointment. And then it becomes oh. a problem. And then you're dealing with spending more time kind of trying to analyze why that one didn't work and, and why it failed and going out and creating new content or creating new stories or doing whatever you need to do in your business to actually move forward. You're focused on hitting this kind of arbitrary goal that you've set for yourself. And we all do that. We set these, you know, kind of arbitrary goals in our, in our mind. But I think if you can really kind of lay out a plan, we, we work with a lot of our clients to lay out like 90 day, you know, minimum plans for their content. What's, what's going to flow, what's going to look like. And you kind of stick to that. And once you get more consistency in your posting and your storytelling and the images you're using, 
all of a sudden you start to see the numbers slowly start kicking up more consistently then yeah this one was really wild but it really was off brand it got a lot of traction but in the long mm-hmm. run it's probably not what you really want to be known for so um yeah chasing numbers it'll definitely drive you crazy and it will actually take a lot of your your mental energy off the table when you should be focused on other things right so where have you found yourself in that space as you have been on this entrepreneurial journey, where have you come across where you're like, I just created this unnecessary, like repeated thing that I can't get out of that I need to find my way out of as, because we all have at some point. Yeah. I I think one of the biggest, biggest struggles I've had is running into the um, imposter syndrome, you know, uh, where you you think you're, you're, you're second guessing yourself, you're, yeah. you're, you're questioning whether or not you should be at the table instead mm-hmm. of just realizing that you're at the table for a reason that you've, yeah. you've been called by this company or this brand. You, you've been you know reached out to by people because they're seeing what you're doing. They, they like what you're doing and, and they want to have that conversation and, and going in, in a, in a, a state where you're feeling, um, like you're inadequate or like you're, you're not, you're not qualified to be there because you don't have X, Y degree, or you don't have this, this, whatever it is in your mind, you've decided is that limiting factor. Uh, it really is kind of one of the biggest things you have to overcome and just getting beyond that and understanding that I have a, the right to be here. I, yeah. I've been asked to be here um, yeah. and, and kind of going through with that confidence really changes your whole uh, outlook on how you deal with things and how you you know create things and and how you interact with people, and it, it just definitely does change the uh, the whole mood. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you're like, oh, I'm over it, I've got it, or is this something that just as you change and evolve, that kind of comes along with you? It, it totally it totally comes back and it shows itself in different areas and different ways as as you okay. as you grow. I mean, you. You know, again, I've worked in the automotive industry for a very long time, but now we have a lot of clients that are in like luxury brand spaces and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I've done stuff in the fashion world for a long time, but it's, it's different when you're dealing with, you know, Swiss watch, watch companies and you're dealing with a lot of people that are in very expensive suits and drink very expensive uh, champagne and have very expensive cars. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just, a, it's an intimidation factor of going in and, 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 and you know, engaging with these people, but then realizing they're the ones that have asked you there again, is kind of always that first step to getting over it. And uh, we, we've had uh, very fortunate uh, opportunities this year to work with some really big brands and it was a little intimidating at first, but then, mm-hmm. you know, once we kind of got past that first hurdle, it, uh, it really kind of opened up and it's just, it's just really, I want to say it's a, it's a constantly evolving kind of anxiety in you <laughs> that you never really get over. Right. Uh, but you know, it's, it's just, again, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's like hurdles. You're going to go over one and then another one and another one. You just got to keep moving forward and jumping over the next hurdle. Um, but I, as you get better at each one of these ones you pass, it kind of gets a little bit less, I guess it's, you know, you kind of go, well, yeah, I have done all these other things over here. And I guess that that worked out. So I guess, this is okay too. And I'll figure it out and we'll, we'll make it happen. So <laughs> right. I, I love that, that it's, yeah, we will figure it out and make it happen, but it does. I think it's an indication that we are moving forward when we see the thing that we've had before just come along in a different iteration and show up. 
For sure. It's, it's, again, it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we have short memories a lot of times where we forget our successes and we do carry on a lot of our failures. Um, yeah. And, and th- those whispers in your ear are, are real. I mean, those are things that happened and, you know, we yeah. all fail. I mean, that's, that's one thing that any entrepreneur who's telling you that they've had a thousand out of a thousand successes is, is completely lying. Um, yeah. We've all had failures. We've all had launches that didn't work. But if you don't take those things and learn from them and, and don't take those things and choose to make them a positive in some way, mm-hmm. uh, it, it'll just continue to eat at you. And that's something I've always tried to incorporate into my life is no matter what crazy circumstance or stuff that's happening in relationships or family or politics or whatever it is that that's eating at you is mm-hmm. kind of comp- you know, kind of taking that and, and, and using it as fuel to want to do better and move forward and always stay po- find the positive in all of it. Because right. uh, if you don't, as an entrepreneur, you don't have anyone else to fall back on. You're, yeah. you're it. You, know, you, you don't show up to work. Your mortgage isn't getting paid. Your, you know, your, your car payment's not getting done. Uh, it's, it's a lot of pressure that uh, a lot of people put on themselves uh, unnecessarily by kind of carrying all these other things with them in a negative light. Yeah. You know, it's just not worth it. If you can stay positive and kind of figure out what, uh, what your failures, what you can learn from your failures and what those uh, other kind of external sources give you value in and move forward. It's probably better than dwelling on it. Uh, yes. Oh my goodness. Well, cause there's so much, there's always gold in the shit. So with that idea of like, you know, growing through mistakes and learning from that, where do you see yourself growing and going next? Yeah, we're really focused on continuing our growth with, you know, very specific markets. Very, I I think one of the biggest problems that people do is they try to do too much. Um, mm-hmm. And we're, we're really kind of in this last couple of years, we've really learned where we have our, our biggest strong suits is in this focus on heritage brands, on, on history, um, on things that have kind of long-term value. Most of our clients now are 50 to 100 years old type brands mm-hmm. that we work with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's great because it gives you a big wealth of things to pull from right. uh, when, you're, when you're telling stories because you have all this background. But it's, it's also just something that, again, I have a natural affinity for, I, I studied history in college. I have a minor in history just so I had so many extra history classes. I, I love this type of stuff. And for me to kind of go and start telling stories about, you know, ultra modern architecture probably isn't going to be a good fit for us because it's not yeah. something I understand. It's not a space I'm, uh, I'm aware of, you know, in any type of, you know, ca- casual way. So it's not mm-hmm. something I'm a, a natural fit for. So yeah, we just see ourselves really focused on growing with our, um, our kind of small uh, team of clients. We we're, we're picking and choosing who we work with, which is great. Um, being in that position is awesome. And that, that's one thing that I think I wish I would have started doing earlier on is yeah. uh, kind of, you know, editing my clients a little bit more uh, because we have a great group of clients. Now we have a few slots available for, for other, other things, but our, our, our clients all kind of complement each other and having these, these clients that kind of complement each other allows us to, take ideas from one client and say, Hey, here's a way that we can have some synergy with this other brand that is, you know, not a competitor, but is in a mm-hmm. similar lifestyle space or a similar demographic. Let's, let's tell some stories together. Let's blend these things together in, in ways that provide value to everybody. Yeah. And it's been really, really effective. Um, and that's kind of where we see our, our, our real value proposition is being able to take 
you know, if you're a hundred year old boot company and tie you into a vehicle manufacturer story or, you know, tie you into a, a road trip adventure and a destination or whatever it is, we, we, we try to find ways to layer them together and give them opportunities to one, extend their own budgets because they're kind of sharing, um, you know, sharing budget basically, mm-hmm. but also, um, create stories that feel more organic and natural because these things do kind of go together, whether it's, you know, you know, we've, we just did a story recently with a, um, a box manufacturer that makes these really beautiful custom wooden tackle box, you know, boxes. Oh, They've I been around for those yeah, in your beautiful. Feed, they're beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. The, the Gerstner boxes are incredible. Mm-hmm. And then we took, you know, uh, uh, you know, a hundred and something year old um, fly fishing reel company, Mm-hmm. Uh, and brought those together into some stories and some content that worked really, really well. So, you know, finding ways to do that with our clients is kind of where we're really focused and yeah. bringing on board the clients that kind of understand what we do. That That's another big thing that a lot of people do is they, they fight clients that just don't get it. And, you know, sometimes it's like, great, you know what, go ahead, find someone who, who you better, better mm-hmm. fit with, because it's, it's a big waste of our time and energy to, constantly be trying to educate a client who doesn't understand what you do. Mm-hmm. So find the ones that understand what you do, appreciate what you do and work with them. Otherwise yeah. you're just going to beat your head against the wall forever trying to convince someone who doesn't get it. Oh, that's so true. Well, for those who do get it and are listening to you going, Oh my God. Yes. Where should we direct them to? Well, you can find out uh, at pretty much everything we do is at satterfieldgroup.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Satterfield Group is our kind of catch-all website for the stuff that we're doing on the marketing side. Uh, we do a lot of fun stuff on my other website, thegentlemanracer.com, which is uh, one of our big lifestyle publications. We have several in-house publications that we produce uh, that are in specific niches, and that's that's the one I'm most involved with personally. Um, yeah. Grew out of my own passion for cars and motorcycles and travel and all that kind of fun stuff, which again, kind of all folds into the stuff we do on the marketing side. Oh, fun. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time and for all that you shared with our audience. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. It's been great being here. Oh, you're welcome. Bye now. Hey, Katie. Yeah, Mark? Want to do an outro? I sure do. Sweet. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening and making it to the end. Yay, you. So what happens next? we ask them the things that podcasters are supposed to ask at the end of an episode. Can you please rate, review, download? Subscribe. Mm. Yeah. But why is it important? Because that's how our podcast gets noticed. That's how people find us. It is, and we want all their earballs. <laughs> all the earballs all over the place. We do. Nice. Yeah, so please do all those things. We'll be ever so grateful. And then more people hear your beautiful voice. Or yours. See you next time. Bye.